Hello and welcome to the Knowledge Without College podcast. This is your host, Patrick Butler. And today I have an incredibly fascinating conversation to share with you. I just had the opportunity to speak with a man named Dr. Mark Van Rymanon, who is an entrepreneur. He has a couple of companies, one called dataflock.com, uh, which is a leading content platform for emerging technologies. Uh, his other company, maven.org, is a tokenized ecosystem of tools to fight misinformation online. Uh, we get into both of those in this conversation. In addition to that, uh, he has written three best-selling management books. Uh, he is a leading thinker in the idea of digitalism as a political doctrine, which we also discuss in this conversation. And he's also the first man to give a TEDx talk in virtual reality. Uh, so he practices what he preaches. And in this conversation, we go through all of the above and more uh, talking about how these emerging technologies will impact people's lives and how we can prepare for them, how we should prepare for them and some of the problems that may emerge in, in uh, adopting these technologies. I really enjoyed this conversation. Mark is a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he has some really awesome things going on. Uh, and I am excited to share this conversation with you all. So please, without further delay, enjoy this conversation with Dr. Mark Van Rymanon. Hey, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a real honor to have you on the show. Thanks, Patrick. It's, uh, I'm glad to be, to be here. Excellent. Well, we're happy to have you. So for the audience out there who perhaps is not familiar with your work just yet, and you're working on a few different things, would you mind telling them a little bit about yourself, what you're working on, and how you got to this point? Sure. So um, I've been an entrepreneur for about a decade now, um, and I am the founder of Dataflock, which is an online uh, platform around emerging technologies. Um, so uh, a lot of people can uh, are writing, uh, publishing articles on, on that platform for people to understand uh, technologies such as big data, blockchain, artificial intelligence. Um, I'm also the founder of Maven, uh, where we try to, to build a reputation protocol for the internet to fight misinformation um, and to sort of, sort of combat the, 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 the infodemic that is flooding, flooding the internet. And we use these technologies, blockchain um, and AI, among others, uh, to do so. Um, and next to that, I, I think a lot about uh, new technologies and, and how they are going to impact organizations and society. Um, I call myself a future tech strategist, um, where um, I think about how these te new technologies are, are impacting our lives. Um, and to, uh, to practice what you preach, you know, I've also recently um, uh, <laughs> created a digitally transformed myself. So I have now a digital twin. I think I have to, I'm the first digital twin who has its own YouTube channel. Um, and um, uh, my digital twin basically covers the, the digital world from inside the digital world. Um, and the objective is to help organizations in a, in a new format. Um, and obviously, it came about from uh, a necessity as well, because I was flying around the world until Corona hit uh, to help organizations understanding emerging technologies. Uh, that stopped. Uh, so I decided to, to digitize myself and to, to continue to work uh, as, my, as an avatar or hologram. So that's, that's in a nutshell uh, who I am. Fantastic. I, I have to ask you about the digital twin and sort of where did this idea come from? How does it actually... You know, if, if I was listening to this, I'd be like, what, what does that actually look like? So could, could you go in more depth there? Sure. So it came about in um, uh, just at the start of, of, of Corona. Um, um, I was giving, I was planned to, to give a keynote in person in, in Finland. Um, that got canceled while it got changed to, um, to a, a virtual keynote. 
And um, um, while talking, it was a professionally recorded uh, keynote. And while talking with uh, with the, uh, the the people recording the the, the keynote, uh, we sort of came into the discussion about uh, holograms. Uh, you know how 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 much how far the technology has progressed, and that it's already possible now. Um, and then I thought, well, that's that's quite cool because if we need to, you know, if we can't travel anymore because of Corona, we need to find a different way to do so. Um, and from one thing came another, and then I I read more about avatar and virtual reality, and then I sort of uh, brought everything together in a new concept called the digital speaker where I have um, a, an avatar who is now you know, doing the work for me uh, on behalf of me in the virtual world. And um, so it is being recorded in virtual reality. Um, and then these uh, uh, recordings of that are uh, available on YouTube or on Vimeo. At the moment, it's still in 2D. So it's not yet in available in virtual reality. Um, that's a matter of time because I need to develop the technology to, uh, for that. Uh, but at some point in time, I want to be able to uh, you know, to uh, to welcome guests, just like you know the podcast we're doing at the moment. But then in virtual reality, that for example, you could be and have your avatar in the studio, and we are we are two avatars having a, a conversation in virtual reality, where other people can attend and can join and, and can be participating in. Uh, so that's where I want to go to. Uh, and for now, I'm I'm sharing news. So I cover the, the latest news in the digital world. Um, I share thought leadership uh, content. Um, I interview people. Um, all with my avatar uh, from inside the digital world. That's pretty phenomenal, especially, uh, you know, I appreciate your uh, sort of gusto towards being on the front end of, uh, or the absolute fringe of the emerging technology, because I think we all sort of see those pieces coming together where with virtual reality sort of taking shape and becoming more widely available on multiple devices. So uh, that's pretty cool. And uh, I have to ask, where does the how do you supply the content? How do you supply, uh, you know, if you had a keynote address, I imagine you have that written somewhere. Is it just a matter of like, here it is and do you record it or does it, is it just uh, sort of reading for you? Well, so I, I do a lot of research, obviously. So um, I read a ton, uh, you know, new books, new new research coming out. Um, I talk to a lot of organiza organizations um, and, and really trying to understand, you know, where is the, the market moving to? Um, and and that's the information that I that I uh, uh, yeah use and and then you know try to uh, uh, convey in an easy to understand message through these talks through my articles or my books um, and um, so that's basically how it works it's it's, it's all in, in my head um, and I try to to share what's in my head um, with the real world uh, through a, a, a virtual uh, you know <laughs> a virtual being fantastic fantastic and so. This sort of ties into Dataflock and what you do there where you're constantly talking about publishing and, and writing about emerging technologies. What's your method for surveying the landscape for what technologies are on the horizon? And I ask you that because in my experience, there's some, you know, you'll, you'll oftentimes read articles about an emerging technology or something like that. And it's hard to tell if this is actually something that will come to fruition in the next you know, two, three, five years, or if this is something that's still just a, a pipe dream or not practical or not realistic, how do you uh, survey the landscape of new technology to find things that capture your attention in a way that you know will be the future, similar to your uh, digital twin? Yeah, so I think what I do is, um, um, I think I have a very good understanding of, of, of uh, and capability of thinking exponentially. Um, and I think if you want to understand the landscape, you need to be able to think exponentially. Um, and naturally, humans are very bad at thinking exponentially. We are we are uh, beings that think linear, because that's something that from the past, uh, you know, we we were required to do. We were not required to think exponentially. However, nowadays we, we live in exponential times, as, as I always say, and you know um, you need to really have a different perspective at looking at at, at the organization, at, at society, and how technology is changing those. So what I do is when I look at the new technology, um, I uh, try to understand the technology. And I think the best example is when I did my PhD at the University of Technology in Sydney, Australia, a couple of years ago, um, I started with the idea of doing a PhD research on uh, the combination of design thinking and big data. Um, I've, I've been involved with big data for about a decade now. Um, and you know, that, that, at that moment in 2016, I thought, well, that's, that's the right way to go. Um, after half a year or so, I, I came across uh, blockchain, which if you could think is, is quite late, obviously, because the blockchain had been around for quite a few years. Um, uh, but I, once I fully grasped the concept, uh, you know, I, I really took a deep dive, went through the rabbit hole um, and, and came out on the, on the other end. Um, and I found out you know, that this is such a fundamental technology 
Yeah, and it's not so much about the hype and about the Bitcoin price and uh, you know and, and those kind of things, but it's more about the, the kind of technology that it, uh, that enables a different way of operating, a different way of collaborating, a different way uh, of, of of organizing our society, uh, and that's how I look at, at technologies. You know, how do they impact our society? What are the, the changes that we can expect from from a technology that might not be here at the moment as we speak, but if we if we you know, project it into the future and we look uh, two, five, ten years from now with an exponential lens, then we can see um, what the impact of that technology will be on our society, on our organizations, um, and that's what I'm trying to do uh, for for any of the of the technologies, and uh, especially what we see now happening is the convergence of various technologies. So we not only have blockchain, we also have, you know, uh, uh, obviously big data, uh, but then you have, you know, uh, uh, faster computing power leads to more data. Uh, Internet of Things create even more data and, and high, more high quality data should be hopefully. Um, um, then we are able to better create AI, better machine learning, which helps us to create maybe better quantum computing, which create, et cetera. Uh, so it all, it's, it's all converging now. And that's why we need to think with an exponential lens because, you know, when technologies converge, words it will go faster and faster uh, than we've ever seen before um, and that's a very for many people that's a very difficult way to think because uh, as i said you know humans are, are programmed to think linear um, and um, uh, trying to understand that you know we're not living in a linear era anymore but in an exponential era um, um, is yeah something that i enjoy doing uh, and i think that I'm, I'm i'm quite good at it not to be not to be sounding arrogant or so but it's something i yeah one one of the things that i think i can uh, i can do quite well absolutely well i mean i appreciate what you do in the sense that uh you know by being able to put together the pieces of what technology is coming down the road uh you know you can better prepare people for the future that we might be living in which i think uh you know is sort of very it, it was missing in the sense that, you know, I don't think anyone had the idea of what the internet, social media, and, you know, smartphones would actually do to our society, do to our worlds. And it's something that, you know, I often pause and reflect on in the sense of, you know, is all this technology coming down the pipeline ultimately good for us? Is it ultimately something that's going to actually improve happiness? Or is it something that's really uh, more designed to improve efficiency or, uh, you know, make, you know, it can make business transactions faster. It can make, uh, you know, a variety of things accelerate, but does it actually uh, have a positive impact on the way that we live our lives? Uh, I'm curious to get your take on that, especially given the, the things that you're, you know, deeply diving into like blockchain, AI, and some of these things. Do you believe that it'll uh, continue on a trend similar to what I've described, or do you think it'll sort of come back around and redeliver uh, towards the human experience? Well, I think this is a very important point that you're that, you, that you're making, and uh, you know, uh, by uh, definition, technology is neutral. Um, so we can use it for, um, uh, for, for for create a better world, or we can use it to create a you know a, a, a worse uh, environment to live in. Um, and we have seen plenty of examples of of, of both directions. Um, and um, so I've been thinking a lot about about that. Um, and um, I think if we the, the way I look at, at at how we as a society are using technology, um, it can go several ways. Um, and one thing for sure is that the, the, the future of, um, uh, of, of our society will revolve around data. And how we deal with that data, that, that is important because it's, it's it really, um, um, sorry about that. Good. Um, it, it, it really um, is around the, um, uh, how we create the um, a society where data is beneficial to our uh, citizens our, our, um, or, or uh, consumers, or whether the data is uh, uh, you know, beneficial to the state or whether the data is beneficial to the corporate world. Um, and I think there's three streams um, and I call this uh, digitalism. Um, and it basically means that you know, digitalism is, I think will be the, the, the next first globally accepted political doctrine and that is going to replace liberalism um, um, as 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 the, the the way yeah the way we organize our society, and it's all about how we how we deal with data, the struggle of of controlling the the, the access to data, whether this is done by the governments, whether it's done by the corporates, or whether this uh, the control of data is is lies with the, the citizens. Um, and there are, I think, three streams. Uh, the first one is, um, uh, is state digitalism, where you know we have this the, the government using this data to create state surveillance, um, and we really use this data to, um, to and, and these technologies to enslave uh, the citizens. And you know everything is being controlled. There's full accountability. And there's zero privacy. Um, uh, it's like 90, 1984, you know, on steroids. 
Um, and uh, we see this happening in China. You know, um, there are plenty of examples that we know of, you know, especially in, in Xinjiang, uh, where there's a full, you know, AI panopticon being built uh, that allows you know, the, the Chinese government to fully control the citizens. That's one way, one direction that we can, we can go and one way how we can use technology within our society. Uh, then we have the other direction, which is uh, what I call neo-digitalism, digitalism, which is where we don't have state surveillance, but we have corporate surveillance. Um, and, you know, we have this really uh, large uh, tech companies such as Amazon, such as Facebook, um, um, who really control the narrative and who control um, uh, the legislative power, even with their, you know, enormous funds and unlimited lobbying power that they have. And they have full control over the data of their of their customers, and they can really determine how people can use their services um, and to what extent um, you know uh, uh, they want to share that data. Which in a capitalist world they will do because it will bring them revenue. Um, and this is something that we see happening in the state in the United States. You know where uh, yes, there are some some um, uh, uh, cases now against uh, Facebook and, uh, and, and and other companies and Google. Um, um, and, and it, 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 it's, I'm curious to see how far this antitrust cases will go. Uh, but so far, you know, it doesn't look good. And, and these, these companies have a lot of power. Um, and then the final uh, one, which I call modern digitalism, is where we use data to empower you know, the citizens, where we, um, uh, uh, technology is really being used for the positive uh, of humanity. And, and we create technology where we have full control over algorithms, where we understand the algorithms, where there's full transparency, where there's peer-to-peer -peer interaction using blockchain in a way that's beneficial to society, that's beneficial to citizens. Um, and we have, where we have guidelines around AI, where we have frameworks of how can we use AI and what is possible to use and what is not possible to use um, and that is something that i see happening slowly in in in, in europe you know we have the gdpr here uh, we have the ai regulations the uh, risk-based approach to ai which was recently released um, um, so uh, we are trying here in europe to to sort of um, uh, empower the users of, of, of get, having giving them full control over the data so, so these are the three streams that we um, can move towards in the next five to 10 20 years 30 years and they determine how um, yeah, what kind of society we're, we're living in. Um, and preferably, I would like to live in a society uh, which is the latter, you know, which is um, where we have full control of our own data, uh, over the algorithms that determine our lives, that we understand that these algorithms are, 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 are that we understand the decisions these algorithms may, uh, make, and that they're not biased. Uh, you know, you might have seen the documentary Coded Bias, um, where it shows you all the problems that, that can happen, all the things that get, can go wrong when we talk about AI. Um, so this is sort of the, the direction that I see where the world is heading. And, you know, it can go in the right direction or it can go in the wrong direction. And, and that battle around data is, is, is certainly not over yet. Yeah, I don't even think it's really begun in some senses where, um, you know, and I appreciate your visualization there of the three streams between the national, the sort of corporate, and then the individual uh, you know, interaction or relationship with this big data. And, you know, when you, when you mentioned that, when you went over that, uh, I certainly can see in the United States how, you know, nationally there is, you know, uh, zero, there, there really is no privacy in the sense that, you know, we know that the NSA and other intelligence agencies are gathering our data in mass and storing it in, you know, warehouses and such. And uh, no one really knows what the consequences of that could be down the road. Um, corporate, wise, uh, you know, like you mentioned, Amazon, Facebook, uh, these other social media platforms have tremendous power, tremendous Google have tremendous power over our data and use that every single day to uh, whether it's targeting advertisements or, you know, tracking where you are and your buying habits. And even, you know, uh, they likely understand things about you before you may understand those things about you. Uh, you know, it's a, a very daunting point because there is not much of that individual freedom, uh, you know, that last point to either expressly know what is the, what are these algorithms targeting towards? What is the contents of the algorithms? What are they uh, selecting uh, to target to for what reasons? All these sorts of things are completely out of our, out of our uh, purview, out of our vision. And, you know, to me as an American, uh, you know, it sort of flies in the face of the democratic Republic ideals that, you know, went into the creation of the country, which is this, this is just something that people could have never, uh, could have never anticipated, you know, a few hundred years ago. But like you said, things are not linear anymore. We're in an exponential age. And so I, 
think a lot about that battle that is sort of uh, up ahead about how are people going to pry this technology or pry this access to data and sort of these the decision making around the data away from the states away from these massive corporations which are essentially their own digital states in a way they're sort of like borderless countries and how do we uh you know how does that battle begin uh, i think we're seeing it you know sort of the lexington and concord of this battle i feel is is uh, the emergence of bitcoin and sort of seeing what that's doing uh, you know, just uh, overall, you know, the, the U.S. government's talking about coming out with a digital currency. We're seeing other countries like India or Turkey restrict access to Bitcoin. It's sort of uh, an early warning shot about, you know, people trying to decentralize something like currency and, you know, what would be the ramifications of trying to decentralize other more important things about our lives, perhaps voting or uh, you know, understanding some of these, some of these algorithms that determine, you know, our behaviors and things like that. I'm curious if you have thoughts on sort of where some of these conflicts might, conflict points might arise in that transition to that third stage of digitalism. Yeah, I think, you know, one point where we can clearly see this is, is digital currencies, decentralized currencies. And, um, yeah, I don't believe in Bitcoin, to be honest, <laughs> and 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 not as a as a, as a, as a um, um, uh, method of payment, not as a store of value. Um, and um, I believe in a concept, uh, but I don't believe in, in in Bitcoin. And I see Bitcoin as the MySpace of crypto, you know, being the first one, but not necessarily the best one. Um, and and sure. there will be there will be other cryptocurrencies that will be better suitable for uh, what we're trying to achieve here. Uh, but it's very interesting to see what's happening because. Um, if we have a, a decentralized currency, let it be Bitcoin or whatever currency, um, uh, which is created by the market and not by a government, um, we can see that the governments don't want that. Um, and the, the, the best example was when Libra was announced, um, where you know uh, uh, all the, the, the national governments you know scrambled to come together and said, "Oh wait, what's going to happen here? We don't want uh, you know a corporate um, to create this sort of global currency where the." The, the, the company Facebook determines, you know, uh, how much it is backed by which you know, national currencies, uh, so that you know Facebook has all the control, literally has world domination. Uh, um, uh, because if you run the world uh, currency, you have world domination. Look at the United States with their with a U.S. dollar. Um, you know, they can print an unlimited amount of, of, of dollars, which they are doing, um, um, and that, that gives them a lot of a lot of power. So if, if that would come into the hands of a, of, a, of a commercial organization, you know that's something that absolutely never national government will never ever ever allow that allowed to happen. Um, so we now see the move to um, digital currencies owned by and created by central banks. Um, and the digital yuan, yuan uh, developed by China is very very far ahead in, in this, uh, much further ahead than you know the the, the U.S. dollar or or, or the EU is. Um, and that's also worrying because, you know, if you are the first one um, who has a fully operational um, digital currencies, that comes with a lot of benefits because there are a lot of benefits of having a digital currency. Um, so uh, here we can see this battle being played out across, you know, uh, large corporates who want to build um, um, uh, uh, a, a decentralized uh, currency, which to be honest, you know, if Libra would have been created by Facebook, how decentralized would, have, would it be? Uh, it would still probably control one way or another by Facebook. Facebook because Mark Zuckerberg is not stupid to give up his his, his global uh, global power. Um, um, if it is being created by you know, by the market, such as Bitcoin has been has been created, it has a, a bit more uh, a chance to be you know, really developed by and for the people. But then again, even Bitcoin is no longer truly decentralized because you know a lot of the centralized uh, mine a lot of the mining pools are centralized, uh, so that's problematic as well. So. And then, of course, the government will never allow a, a community-based approach because the governments want to keep control. Um, so this is you know, a, a fascinating example of to see this battle uh, that's that's being played out, um, and that we as citizens, you know, we are sort of the, the 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 audience watching to see what happens. But in the meantime, it's directly affecting us, uh, uh, whatever outcome is being selected. Um, and I think that's that's sort of you know we'll see more of these 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 debates and these battles happening, uh, especially also when it comes to AI. Um, uh, uh, there are a lot of you know challenges that we have to face because AI is being created by biased developers and trained by biased data. Um, and once you have you know a, a really powerful AI that, that gives you tremendous power as a, an organization slash individual slash government. Um, um, so how how to deal with this? That those are really big questions that we need to answer as a society. 
Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I think it's uh, challenging because there's not really a, where, where is there a median to even discuss these things and, and to talk about the impacts of technology on our lives? Uh, sort of goes back to, you know, the point that I brought up uh, earlier on, which is, you know, will these things ultimately have a positive impact on us? I, I certainly see the excitement around them and the potential there to live in. I think we're probably closer to, you know, some sort of like individualist, you know, utopia than ever before. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, you know, it's like, how do you pry away these, how do you pry away the influence, the power from the people who currently hold it and, you know, give it back to the people in these sort of digital, you know, emerging technologies? Well, not only that, I think that the challenge here as well is, and that was a part of my research for my PhD as well, is, is you know, we can create these, these guidelines, you know, as an EU, we can create these fantastic guidelines, you know, um, let's dream a bit further, let's create guidelines by the United Nations, you know, AI guidelines, which all, you know, all 198, I think, countries that are there um, um, will uh, uh, sign the declaration of that AI guidelines. Let's just, just envision that. Sure. It will never happen, but let's just, you know, play that <laughs> thought. Uh, yeah. um, so we have these beautiful guidelines uh, where, you know, all, all countries in the world, you know, at, at, admit to, 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 do, to doing this and to adhering to, to these guidelines that we don't create AI that is, you know, um, to the detriment, detriment of humanity, that we don't create AI that, that, that you know, really tries to, to harm people. But then there are these odd criminals or the odd developer or the, this odd, odd hacker on, on an ethics wherever in, in, in the world who can still do that. Um, and, and nobody's gonna stop that person because you know, uh, once your AI becomes powerful enough, uh, that AI can become, you know, that can give you all the power in the world. Uh, and uh, I believe Putin uh, a couple of years back mentioned already, uh, you know, the, the country who, who creates super AI controls the world. Um, but now replace country by individual because the person who creates super AI controls the world. So we can create all these fantastic guidelines. And even if all countries in the world would adhere to that, then we still have the individuals or the, or the criminals or the, the hackers who, who might not want to adhere to these guidelines. And then if they are the first to create the next level of AI that can outperform any other AI, then we still screwed. Um, so uh, that is sort of the massive challenge that we, we are, are, are ahead of us. And I believe Elon Musk is also calling it one of the ex you know, existential threats to humanity. And, that, and I completely agree with this. You know, we can either do it right and then we you know, have AI that is really beneficial to humanity, or we can do it wrong and we're all dead. Um, and it, it sounds really black and white, but I, I do think it, it is that way. Um, and we have to you know, really do whatever it takes uh, that we have, have in us to, to make sure that we you know, create an AI that is ethical. But then immediately, if I, the moment I say that, the second question is, you know, what is ethics? What is ethical? You know, what is good for you is, is not good for me. Or what is bad uh, for you is, is good for me, whatever, you know? Um, what is good and bad? Um, um, so that these are, you know, really difficult debates, very philosophical. Um, and uh, as a humanity, I think we're by no means equipped to answer these questions at this moment. Um, but we do need to have the discussion. We do need to discuss about this because it's so important uh, because, you know, that meteor is coming our way and it, it, it will hit Earth at some point in time and we better take action before it does so we can you know, push it away uh, on time. Yeah, the AI one is one that certainly uh, troubles me quite a bit, just, uh, you know, in the nature of it. Um, and I've had other guests on the show, we've, we've talked about sort of the similar idea where exactly what you described, how do you encode ethics into it? Because at the end of the day, someone has to decide what is ethical and what is not ethical. And in that sense, um, you know, it's an individual decision. It's a, it's a, it's a certain perspective that, you know, there's no way would ever be universally agreed upon. You know, I think people could agree like, Oh, murder unethical, you know, but then once you get into the nitty gritty details, uh, it's very hard to find that coding and sort of who gets to make that decision on what that is and how will that shape the world. And I mean, it really comes down to just our understanding of, you know, like humans hardly understand our, our own brains, never mind, you know, the this sort of exponential curve that we're on if we tried to develop sort of a, uh, a, a tier higher brain, a whole magnitude higher brain, which would be like this super AI or something, uh, is really like out of reach for where we are today. So how, how does that, uh, you know, how do you avoid I don't know. that cliff? That, that, and that's, you know, that, that's, you know, a big challenge. And I've been thinking a lot about this um, and I don't have an answer to that, um, you know, because um, 
even if we are able to instill ethics in AI uh, and we are able to create the right kind of AI, um, uh, sorry, the right kind of ethics uh, in AI, um, you know, what happens if, if AI becomes more ethical than humans? Um, what happens if I, our ethics change over time, which they all the time do, you know? Um, 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 and we have instilled ethics of today, uh, which no longer apply tomorrow. Um, what does that mean then? Uh, um, and I don't have an answer to that. Um, uh, but we need to have that debate uh, of of how can we uh, uh, how can we at least try uh, to do to do this? Um, and um, it's 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 getting harder by the day because you know algorithms with all the neural networks, the, 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 you know, they become black boxes. They are already black boxes. Um, and if we don't have a responsible AI or explainable AI where AI can explain itself how it it came to a certain decision. Um, you know, we have developers who build AI that they don't long, no longer understand anymore. Um, and that's a very common thing. Um, and we have AI that can create AI, can create child AI, uh, which can create child AI. And we, we're moving further and further and further away from the developer who created the AI in the first place, who may or may not have thought about what kind of biases he or she is going to put into that, uh, maybe on purpose, maybe by accident, in that AI. Um, so, um, you know, the, the, the examples that came into with the coded bias and, and uh, based on the book of, uh, of Cathy O'Neill on weapons of mass destruction um, really shows you, you know, the, the massive challenge that we have and, and that how little we understand um, or when we have an AI or, or an algorithm that, you know, um, not even AI, but an, an alg algorithm that's all of a sudden being imp implemented and used in the justice system um, uh, to, to put people behind jail. Um, and we don't understand how that AI algorithm became, came to a certain decision. We as a society have a serious problem, um, and this counts for every society. You know, whether you are, you know, a state digitalism society uh, or or the EU uh, or whatever, uh, it applies to every society, um, and that's that's seriously problematic. Do you believe that uh, AI is in use today to guide major things like policy decisions or, um, you know, sort of news angles or things like that? Do you believe AI is sort of more in use today than people might? Uh, my belief? I think so. I think AI is, is in use pretty much everywhere already. It's very, very narrow, obviously. Um, uh, but there are so many examples. And look, look only at your newsfeed. You know, uh, Facebook can control how you think. Um, and they have um, um, uh, and, um, you know, declared that in their research a couple of years ago, uh, where they were able to, to make sure that a certain test group, I think, was able to, to publish more positive or negative based on the, the items they showed in the newsfeed. And that's only the research that they publicly announced. We have no idea what kind of research they're doing that they don't announce. Um, uh, so they can actively, with a switch of the button, they can you know, uh, uh, control a, a fast group of people. And we have no idea. Um, I think that's scary. Um, I don't use Facebook for that reason. Um, um, and um, I think that's something that we should be, as a society, really, really careful about. But unfortunately, uh, we have legislators uh, all around the world who have no clue about technology. Uh, you know, in the famous example of Facebook, uh, of Mark Zuckerberg explaining how the internet works, you know, <laughs> to yes. the Senate. <laughs> and, 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 and that's not only in the US, I can imagine, I can, I can assure you. It also happens here in the Netherlands, you know, it happens everywhere in the world where the, the legislators who, who have to make the, the, the laws have absolutely zero understanding. And I can't blame them, you know? Um, um, it's my job to understand how technology is impacting our society. Um, and even I have difficulty, you know, keeping up with all the changes. So I can't blame them, but it is a challenge that we, uh, that we need to face where we need to be uh, aware, or legislators need to be aware that they don't understand the technology that they are creating legislation for. Um, and um, uh, yeah, I, you know, I see that it feels like this, this conversation is going in a very negative uh, direction, <laughs> which is certainly not my uh, not my uh, my objective. Because you know, in general, I'm a very positive person. I think about you know technology from a positive perspective. But these are things that we need to discuss, and these are things that we need to be aware of. And I'm afraid that, that too uh, too few people are aware of these issues, or, or, or don't think that these issues are important enough to think about. Um, but we do need to think about them. Sure, certainly. And for the record, I'm also, you know, I'm a extreme optimist when it comes to all these things. Like I, I see the 
the potential is in this emerging technology and really do believe that people will rally around it um, and the pieces will come together. In my mind, uh, you know, like going down this, uh, this pathway of identifying the issues that might arise and the problems, I think it's just, uh, it's something that it's uncomfortable because it can be so dystopian, uh, even analyzing the way that things are today. But it's these are absolutely necessary conversations. And I think uh, it's it raises a lot of questions that people need to ask themselves. And we need to ask the legislatures or vote in people that can ask these questions properly about the technology that's emerging and how that's going to impact the lives of uh, you know their constituents, their voters, and ultimately the populations of the countries that are developing this stuff. So and, and yeah. there's there's also a responsibility with with those uh, those technologies. Um, and, you know, we we need to read the terms and conditions. And you know, I'm I'm complacent about it too. You know, I don't always read them before I accept the, you know terms and conditions um, uh, because they're just impossible to read. Um, but do you, it, there's also a responsibility on, on us as citizens, um, and um, and that's something that we should also be aware of. It, it's we can't just say it's the, the fault of the legis legislator um, or it's the fault of the corporations. There's also a responsibility of us as, as citizens. Citizens, that we can also vote without without data you know that we can say you know look we don't want you to use our data that way screw you we're going to a different company who uses our data in a more ethical way um, um, so as a citizens we do have the power there as well but we, we do have to, to take it certainly certainly and and yeah like in you know in the United States we should not keep voting in uh, congressmen senators who have no clue you know who can't even don't don't understand the internet and social media and things like that. Uh, it's just that sort it's of scary. Where the, the system is broken in that regard. Um, but this sort of brings me to, you know, the other venture that you just mentioned uh, at the beginning of our conversation, Maven. So, you know, this seems to be a, uh, a project where you're trying to combat some of the challenges that we're facing in the digital world. And so, you know, we can sort of see your, optimistic thinking in that regard. Could you discuss a little bit more about Maven and sort of what were the seeds to uh, starting that and uh, how it's going right now? Sure, so so the idea with Maven is that we, it, it comes comes about for the fact that, you know, <clears throat> On the internet, we can we can we can say and do whatever we want. You know, um, it, it's an absolute good thing that we can have the freedom of speech and we can do and say whatever we want. Uh, but the problem with that that comes with it that there is no accountability online, so that you you can do say indeed say whatever you want uh, without any consequences, and that's where you know we ended up in a situation where we have misinformation you know flooding our news feeds, uh, we have uh, bots and trolls controlling the online discourse, uh, we have uh, you know twenty percent of the internet is being controlled by bad bots, um, and uh, you know that that's problematic. Uh, so what we're trying to do is we're trying to. Um, um, Create this this Maven ID that will you know enable people to be to remain anonymous but become be, be held accountable. We we call this anonymous accountability, where we're trying to merge two subjects which uh, until now have not been able to be to be merged. Um, and once we, we we move to a situation where we have such a reputation protocol that we're trying to develop, then we can move to a situation where hopefully we can combat misinformation, or we can um, uh, at least we can. Um, um, create, um, help people understand the content that they consume. Uh, and the way we do it is one of the applications that we are, that we are trying to build is um, um, allowing users um, or, or contributors to, to rate the content that they are consuming on several parameters. And these parameters are initially defined by us because we need a starting point, but eventually def defined by the community. Um, uh, and they can rate the content based on that. And we take into consideration the expertise and the reputation of that person rating that particular content. So if you rate an article on economics and you are a, a, a confirmed expert on economics, then your rating has more weight than someone who doesn't. Um, and then you can provide context to your rating in, in the form of a comment, uh, which is shared as well. Um, and again, we take into consideration your reputation and expertise to give you more or less visibility around uh, the, the, the content that you write, which then can be peer reviewed using uh, your standard upvoting and downvoting. But again, there we also take into consideration your expertise and reputation that determines the, the weight in the upvote and downvote. And our objective is here to to create a system where it allows people to, you know, uh, understand what content that they consume is, is trustworthy, or what's the quality, or what's the reputation of the author of, of, of the, that particular content. 
So we're also building a search engine that allows people to find articles based on those parameters. Um, and we want to move to a, a newsfeed where you have full control over the over the uh, over over your newsfeed uh, because it's being recommended by your peers instead of by recommended by algorithms. So you can say, I only want content in my feed that have been uh, rated and commented on by uh, people who have expertise on ABC uh, with a level of expertise or, or confidence level of ninety percent. So they're really experts um, and to have um, a reputation of 80% uh, uh, whatsoever and have been verified, etc. those kind of things. So you can have a, you know, a full control over your newsfeed. You say, I only want to see those articles, but then you can also easily switch to get out of the filter bubble and you say, now I want to see you know, other areas uh, with other filters and you can easily switch between them. So you have full control over your, your, uh, uh, your, your, your newsfeed. So that we, you know, move a bit away from the power of recommendation algorithms. So, so that's sort of, that's, that's one application that we are working on uh, that, that becomes possible if we have a reputation protocol um, that allows people to become accountable while being anonymous. I hope it sort of makes sense. Yeah, I think it makes sense to me. And, you know, I'll give it to you for it being a, a certainly a noble pursuit to try to clarify the, the content and at least provide some context for that content. And, you know, I, I sort of have a similar question as I did before, which is how do you wrestle this, that, that responsibility away from, you know, the people who currently hold it? Uh, you know, in this sense, uh, you know, we've seen over the past six to 12 months, uh, many instances of, you know, sort of information becoming, let's take Facebook and coronavirus, for instance, there's some information which they outright would ban you for um, six, 12 months ago, uh, which they decided to change their mind on, uh, you know, in the coronavirus example, just recently, they decided to, uh, now it's okay to talk about the theory of, you know, the, the, uh, virus originating in a lab compared to like sort of what was the agreed upon uh, narrative or reporting on that subject. So it was sort of a, a strange incidence of, hey, this this is okay to talk about. This is real news. This is uh, this is the truth. Versus, you know, uh, on the other end of the spectrum is this is uh, you're a conspiracy theorist. You you can't talk about this stuff. You're spreading misinformation. And then we've seen uh, it was just yesterday that you know I'm not sure how into the US news cycle you are, but just yesterday, a number of like Anthony Fauci emails were leaked. Uh, and, you know, it seems like it's not an invalid question to wonder whether or not it came from a lab and it was not sort of uh, this wild conspiracy to suggest as such. Uh, and this is just all, you know, unfolding just this past week. And it's sort of something that's like, when you talk about expertise and you talk about, you know, who gets to make these calls and who gets the the waiting, it's, it's sort of a similar conundrum, which is like, you know, how does anyone really wrap their head around all of this stuff and do it in a way where it's, it can be responsibly managed? Yeah. These are, again, very important points. And <clears throat> I think that the, the problem that we have at the moment is that we have a centralized corporate determine, determining what is the truth and what is not. That's pretty problematic uh, in my eyes. And especially because these centralized companies, they have the role in economic incentives. Um, um, what determines the shareholder price? It's the advertising revenue. What determines the advertising revenue? It's the number of accounts and the time on site. What do trolls and bots deliver? Number of accounts and time on site engagement. So we have, as, as a society, we have created the wrong economic incentives for these, co these companies. So. Our approach is to, to take it away from a, a, a centralized um, uh, company uh, and, and, and give it to the crowd. Um, so you know, these are crowdsourced ratings that take into consideration your expertise and your reputation. Um, so, uh, and I think that that's what we're trying to do. And, and I think that that's, that's important because then you can, it's, it's sort of like a, like a, the concept of the hive mind, you know, if, if a million people say that something is likely to be a, the chances of it being a are really, really high. Um, so um, if, um, and it also works on IMDB, for example, you know, if a lot of people say that this movie is an 88 score eight, uh, you know, the chances of it being a good movie are really, really high. Some people might still find it a horrible movie, but the chances are that it's quite a good movie to watch. Um, and that's what that's the same concept that we're trying to achieve, but we wanted to take into consideration the expertise and the reputation of, of someone. So someone who has been studying for a certain topic uh, or, or who has, you know, you know, really true expertise on that uh, will have more influence because that's how it should be. 
because you know it doesn't make sense that that you and I have the same influence on something that is, is related to COVID versus Fauci. Because I have no idea about vaccinations, you know, etc. You know, and, and I tried. It would be weird that I would have the same influence as someone else, you know, who has full understanding of it. Um, so that's how we try to battle it. Is, is this the right solution? I have no idea. Uh, you know, uh, we are uh, we are a startup. We are um, a small company uh, looking for funding, which is uh, highly challenging in Europe uh, compared to the US. Um, um, and we're trying to, to, to build something that we believe is for the betterment of society. Um, uh, but yes, we are aware that, you know, the economic incentives that we have created as a society are different from what we are trying to achieve. Um, so we have uh, we have an uphill battle here. Certainly. And, and, you know, I think just the elimination of bots, uh, I think is, is a critical component of it. Well, what you've mentioned there and that I think is, you know, that, that right off the, right off the bat would have a tremendous impact on, you know, sort of the content, the algorithms and everything like that. And, you know, I'm, I want to challenge sort of your, your way of thinking on the expertise and like who gets to decide, you know, who's an expert these days in the sense that in the nature of decentralization and, you know, sort of this trend that we're moving towards, uh, while the bar of understanding can be, you know, extremely high to, you know, like, you know, be a vaccine expert or to be a, you know, uh, a medical expert or any of these things. Um, in some respects, if you were to eliminate that, that weighting by expertise and rather focus on just the, and you knew that the people that were influencing the, let's say the trustworthiness of any given piece of media, if it was purely democratic in the sense that, you know, 60 per, maybe you'd see like 60% of people think that this is true or 40% think this is false or 60% think it's trustworthy or not so trustworthy. Um, and, you know, if you could see sort of like which, you know, if there's certain public figureheads or whatever are on what side of the aisle or uh, what have you, you know, would that not create a, a clearer picture for people rather than, uh, including the weight of their expertise, because uh, I think, you know, uh, at least uh, in my corner of the internet and, uh, you know, some of the other people I've had on this, uh, on the podcast, uh, you know, con you know, there's sort of been a complete failure of experts over the past few years uh, in predicting a number of things that, uh, you know, the internet was sort of way ahead on, uh, you know, through coronavirus, through the election, there's a number of different things that, you know, just everyday people on the internet who sort of have their ear to the ground, have a, an understanding of how, you know, things work, uh, have been able to call things way ahead of politicians, experts, and uh, scientists. And so my question, I guess, is, is there a value to, you know, just taking a purely democratic approach and, and seeing sort of how it lands compared to uh, trying to take the weight and measure of what is expertise and who decides who's an expert. Well, that's a very, very good point. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that, 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 that our solution is, you know, is the holy grail here. And, For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, I welcome all feedback to, to improve it because our objective is to create a situation or a tooling that is beneficial to all of us. Um, and, so we, we came up with the idea that, you know, expertise, uh, proven, you know, confirmed expertise about certain topics um, helps um, and um, it should give you a bit of more, more influence. Because as I mentioned, you know, it doesn't make sense that I would have influence on, on, on you know, COVID-19 or vaccination related uh, uh, measurements or articles or whatever, because I have, I have sure. clearly no clue. Um, uh, so, so, so our idea is that with, with you know, incorporating expertise that has been confirmed and, and whether this is confirmed by your peers or whether this is confirmed by your uh, certificates that are on the blockchain and immutable, um, whether this is confirmed by you know, other uh, ways of confirming your expertise that are immutable so that they can't be hacked because otherwise you can still fake your, your expertise, which we need to avoid. Um, we think that that is, you know, beneficial. And of course, you know, if, it, if you have the, 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 the people on the internet with the air on the ground and know what's going on, you know, uh, they, they, they will build up their expertise across time if they have that. Um, because, you know, they can, they can contribute and they can join the debate and they are, their, their comments and their articles are being upvoted and downvoted. And, and so they will build up expertise by just doing that. 
Um, so you you can be an expert without having the certificates. You know, as long if you are you know self self taught and you know you, you share your message and, and people think that what this person is saying is it makes sense, um, and what the other experts say that this person you know makes sense. So you can still build up expertise not only by having an education and having a confirmed certificate on the blockchain, uh, but also by you know uh, by what you're doing. And uh, we believe that that will help. Um, in, in determining uh, or having an understanding, a better understanding of what is, you know, something that is trustworthy and what is not trustworthy. Is it the right way? I don't know. I hope so. Um, if not, I welcome everyone to, to contribute because in the end, this is something that we want to do for society uh, and, and not, you know, with a, with a purely corporate uh, commercial uh, uh, drive. Also, you know, I, I'm not trying to, to grill you on it or anything. I, I think it's, a, again, very noble pursuit to look at this problem and to try to solve it because, and I think, uh, you know, uh, I actually like your answer a lot about, you know, it's, you could develop your own, you can essentially develop the credentials, develop the ex, your, your reputation through this system if, you know, if there was some sort of feedback loop for, you know, if you deem something to be trustworthy, other people deem it to not be trustworthy. If you can close that loop when, you know, more information is available or something like that um, and have that affect someone's rating based off of, you know, sort of the direction that they're headed in. That's a very unique perspective, something I haven't heard before. And I, I think it's, you know, it, it's got potential. I think the, the, it's like the framework is sort of uh, in a place where, you know, there it certainly be a better system than today where, Again, it's a, the algorithm is a black box and we have no idea who gets to decide who are the experts, what content is allowed and what will you get banned for saying uh, if it doesn't, you know, if it's not allowed yeah. by the algorithm. So I, I would almost say any any solution is a better solution yes. than what we have today. Uh, but obviously, I hope that our solution can be, you know, truly beneficial uh, to society. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a. Uh, you know, I wish you the the greatest luck in that endeavor, truly, because uh, Thank you very you know, much. something does need to change there. Is there anything else that's sort of exciting to you that, uh, you know, in, in regard to some of these challenges that we're facing? Is there any other, you know, uh, to go into a business with uh, Maven like this, to go into, to identify this problem and to put time, energy, resources, and, you know, your life, energy behind solving this problem is there any other problems that were sort of competing with you in, in that regard things that you want to find a solution for or pursue uh related to you know solving some of these uh sort of digital new digital issues well i think that there are, there are many challenges that need, that need to be solved um uh, I, I try to focus my energy at the moment on on you know maven um, and the digital speaker concept of Maven, because I, I truly believe that we need to find a solution for, for this problem that we have. Um, the digital speaker, because I think it's just fun. Um, um, and it, uh, I like to share my knowledge in an innovative way. Um, um, so, but that really sort of fills my plate. Um, and uh, I, I'd love to think about other stuff and can I come up with, uh, I have a very creative mind, so I can come up with many different uh, um, uh, concepts, but then I also want to pursue them. <laughs> so I try to limit that uh, because you know, this is, as you say, you know, it, it, it requires all my energy uh, to, to make this happen because it's such a difficult problem. Um, um, I, I talk to a lot of people because, you know, we need all the help we can get to, 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 to make this happen. Um, you know, this should be a crowd source you know uh, solution and not the solution by you know a few uh, founders who came up with this, a concept and decided to put it in the market uh, we really want to make uh, yeah sure that this is a crowdsourced solution um, um, and therefore yeah we we we, yeah, we talk to a lot of people and we invite people to to to, to come to us uh, to help us uh, because only together we can we can make this happen well i think that's a great approach and are you familiar with any like is there any sort of central repository for these problems that people should be solving or focusing their energy on? Because I mean, you as an entrepreneur, I commend you tremendously for taking risk in your own personal life to try to solve these problems. Uh, you know, I'm also an entrepreneur myself. I believe that entrepreneurship is really, uh, goes hand in hand with sort of this decentralized world that we're entering into. Uh, is there, are you familiar with anywhere where people can sort of gain inspiration for you know, what problems they might want to focus their energy on solving? 
Uh, no, I don't know why. Here we have obviously we have the SDGs, um, uh, uh, Sustainable Development Goals, uh, which sort of gives you a direction. Uh, you know, there are plenty of problems in the world that we need to solve, um, and uh, from you know in in all areas of 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 life, um, and uh, you know, there there are so many you know super brilliant people working on so many of these issues already. Um, um, I, I don't think you have to look very hard for a problem that needs to be solved if if you want to. Um, uh, if there's a central repository, I don't know. Uh, maybe it would be a good idea. Yeah, just a thought. Just a thought. Not sure if you've ever come across something like that, because I certainly haven't. But uh, after this conversation, I'm thinking, you know, there's so much... Uh, there's so many people out there that want to solve problems. And the more that we talk about what sort of uh, potential issues are arising out of this, uh, this new world that we're, you know, growing into, you know, there's sort of, I feel there should be a place for that. Um, yeah. Mark, I could ask you questions all day long uh, and, you know, go down these uh, technological rabbit holes, but tell me what, what else is most exciting to you on the on the tech horizon, and and what are you what are you feeling most optimistic about right now? Oh, it's a good question. Uh, there's so much tech coming our way. Um, uh, I'm I'm very fascinated by the whole uh, VR and AR world that we're moving towards. Um, I recently saw a, a promotional video of Microsoft Microsoft Mesh, uh, where they sort of showcase their vision of where AI, AR, and VR is heading which I think is fascinating um, and, and that we can create this, this whole virtual world or this additional layer across our, our real world uh, that will give us so much, uh, so many opportunities. I think it's absolutely fascinating. Now, of course, that, that will come with its own problems, obviously, but it's you know, the fact that we can and we can create this all kinds of fascinating, you know, uh, virtual spaces um, uh, is, yeah, really, really awesome. Um, that's why I've also, you know, I am pursuing the digital speaker. Um, um, and so that, that's, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, and I think there's, you know, the, the technology, the hardware is, is, is getting to a state where it's good enough um, um, and where it becomes slowly also cheap enough for you know, the masses to adopt it. Um, so yeah, that, that's something that I'm super excited about. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think it's really exciting. And, and again, I, I commend you for being on the forefront of that and, and developing sort of technology in that space to, to uh, expand it further. Um, well, this has been a really uh, enlightening conversation. I have a lot of takeaways myself and a lot to dive into a lot of things that I, I want to look into further. And, um, and again, I, you know, appreciate all your, your work in, in these areas, both with, uh, you know, data flock to bring uh, these stories and, uh, you know, uh, information about these emerging technologies to life and to the forefront, uh, Maven to uh, solve this incredible problem of, you know, allowing people to be anonymous, but also having weight on these algorithms and such. Uh, and, you know, then also just developing, you know, doing what you can to develop in, in this future space of AR virtual reality. Um, before we wrap up, do you have any sort of final asks or requests or words of, uh, for the audience, words of anything for the audience. Words, I think you know, be excited about the, about the future, about tech, uh, but also be um, uh, uh, be careful, uh, uh, be careful out there. You have famous saying, um, uh, but it it is you know we have to be um, you know uh, be excited about the new tech that's coming our way, but we also have to you know uh, use this tech uh, responsibly, um, and that's you know that. Uh, those are not always in, in sync um, and, and we should make them in sync because I think it's, it's, it's too important not to. Um, so, and, you know, in terms of ask, you know, anyone who has ideas of how we can bring Maven to, to life, um, um, how we can improve it, um, how we can you know, make it happen faster. Uh, I'd love to, to, to hear from them because it's, you know, it's something that we are trying to do yeah, for and with and, and, and for the, yeah, for everyone. Um, so any, as I said, any help is, is more than welcome. Excellent. Where can people find information about you and your businesses online? Sure. They can go to, uh, uh, for Maven on maven.org. Um, uh, they can go to my, my Twitter, um, which is at Van Rijmenam, which is very difficult if you're non-Dutchy. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess you can put them in the, in, in, in the bio of, of, of Certainly. the Certainly. Um, uh, you can also go to thedigitalspeaker.com, which is a lot easier um, to, to, to find, uh, where you find information about uh, my avatar and my hologram and my videos that I do. Um, and you find me on LinkedIn uh, where people can connect with me. Um, I'm open to connect and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Excellent. Well, Mark, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an enlightening conversation and uh, 
perhaps we'll do it again in some time when some of some more technology has unfolded at this exponential rate and we can reflect on uh, where we are right, where we are wrong and, and where uh, the new problems arise. Sounds like an excellent idea. And thanks so much for having me, Patrick. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks, Mark. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at KWC pod on Instagram at knowledge without college podcast. You can find me Patrick Butler at Patrick Butler zero zero on Instagram and Twitter. I encourage you to send over any feedback you have. If there's any guests you'd like to hear on the show, any topics you'd want to hear discussed. I want to know about it. I want to hear your feedback and opinions. So please, Help me make this a better experience for you. And I look forward to hearing from you. Have an excellent day and thanks for listening.